0: and I, I my goal this morning as we read this is just to to help awaken or or reawaken within you some some childlike awe and wonder that that maybe maybe once again you would read this you would you would see what jesus is up to and go oh wow that is incredible that is my savior and lord jesus so that's where we're going that's what that's what i'm hoping and praying for This morning, so let's dive in. And I want you to notice people's reactions to Jesus as we read this. So Luke 4, starting in verse 31. Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone! What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be silent and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. And amazement came over them all. And they were saying to one another, What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out and news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. After he left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up immediately and began to serve them. When the sun was setting, all those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. As he laid his hands on each one of them, he healed them. And demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Christ. When it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, It is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose." And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now flip over to, to chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to cover verses 1 through 11 next week. Five twelve. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. And he saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and he heal, to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. On one of those days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal him to heal was in him. Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus." Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. And immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. Jesus' effect In this scripture. Is childlike awe and wonder. Verse 32 of 4. 432 says they were astonished at his teaching. Because his message had authority. So think about this. Jesus was not even doing any miracles yet. And they're astonished just at his teaching. When I was going up to Northwestern in the Twin Cities. uh, I remember... My first weekend there, on a Sunday, a friend was like, hey, you want to go to Bethlehem Baptist Church? John Piper preaches there. And I'm like, who's John Piper? And they're like, oh, he's a good, pretty good preacher right here. We should go check it out. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So I sit down. Um, and, and John Piper, by the way, is, is a really well-known pastor who's written a lot of stuff and a really good preacher. Um, I didn't know that, though. I sat down, whatever, college kid, really tired, stayed up too late the night before, and there I am. And he gets up to preach, real small, frail dude, and he, I'm just like, this guy is really good. And he starts speaking, and from the very first sentence, I was captivated. I was just drawn in, and, and the whole time, I, I, I was drawn into the scripture, and it was just just drawn to Jesus by this guy as he was preaching. And I walked away amazed. Now imagine if God himself walked in here today and it was time for the message and you don't know it's God okay but he he walks up here and you're thinking man I hope this guy isn't terrible today right and he gets up there and starts preaching and from the very first word you are just captivated And drawn in but even John Piper even in that message I heard there were some times my mind wandered he didn't really hold my attention but imagine that that this is God himself and every single thing he says you are just drawn in and it's like he's reading your mail and he knows exactly what's going on in your heart because well he does imagine if that happened this is what happens here in this passage Be astonished. They were. They were astonished at his teaching. Jesus just speaks. And childlike awe and wonder envelops. Look down at 4 verse 36. It says, amazement came over them all. Why were they amazed? Let's back up. Verse 33 of chapter 4. It says in the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent. Come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Do you, do you realize what just happened in this scripture? a possessed dude yells at Jesus in the middle of the synagogue, in the middle of church, and Jesus just says, be quiet, come out of him. And then they watch as a demon comes out of this guy, and then they just go on with life. They go on with their church service. Imagine if that happened here this morning. Imagine if that happened here this morning. Imagine if someone... Um, you might want to pick up your drinks here. Um, imagine if someone just got up on the table, okay? And we had Jesus preaching. It'll be all right. Um, and we and we had Jesus preaching, and he just goes, "I know who you are," and just starts freaking out. And Jesus just goes, "Be quiet." come out of him, and we watched as a demon comes out, I don't know what that would look like, okay, but a demon comes out of this person, and then, thanks, you guys were good sports, he just sits down, grabs a donut, like, oh, this guy's pretty good today. I mean, imagine that. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Nah, I'll be all right. My wife warned me. She's like, you're going to knock someone's coffee in their lap. Don't do that. Um, it didn't happen. Yes, um, we made it. Here, here's the point, though. I mean, we read these stories, and we go, yeah, that's cool. He cast out a demon, right? But it's like, no, imagine if here this morning someone did that. I mean, we would be talking about it for years to come. And this happens. This actually happened. This is why they were so amazed. Be amazed because Jesus commands demons and childlike awe and wonder ensues. Look down at 4, verse 42. It says, when it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place, but the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. So here's what's happening. Jesus just got done healing many people and casting out many, many demons. And now they're running around like the paparazzi looking for him. Okay, where did he go? We got to find him. Now again, imagine God himself shows up, gets up here and preaches, casts out the crazy demon guy on the table named Matt. Okay, and then he, he, during communion or during worship, goes around and heals some people of diseases, no big deal. And then there's a back door back here. He just slips out before the service is done. You know what we would be doing if that happened? We'd be like, hey, you guys go down, uh, go down State Street South. You guys take State Street North. We're going to go on Mamie West. You guys go Mamie East. We're going to find this guy because did you just see what happened here today? It would be insane. It would be like Michael Jordan or Tom Cruise showing up. People just flock to him, right? I mean, that's what would happen. And that's what they're doing. They're looking around like mad. Where did he go? Did you see what just happened? Childlike wonder and awe. In 5 verse 12, it says, While he was in one of the towns, a man was, who was there who had leprosy all over him, and he saw Jesus fell face down. And begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This guy's childlike awe and wonder was multifaceted. He was so in awe that he fell face down and begged him. So literally, this is what this means. He falls face down and begs Jesus, if you can, you can make me clean. Now, I haven't fallen face down to beg someone for something. Um, since like five years old, begging my mom for candy. Okay, this is a grown man falling face down because he's so desperate, saying, make me clean, heal me, Jesus. But he's not just desperate, okay? Look at this. He was deeply respectful. He calls him Lord. He knew this wasn't an ordinary guy. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He knows without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus can heal him. Yet he doesn't demand it. He says, you can if it's your will. Not my will, but yours be done. Is what he's saying, essentially. He has desperation, respect, and humility towards Jesus. And we see it in one verse. Now put yourself in this guy's shoes. Imagine that you have cancer and you were just given six months to live and Jesus walks down your sidewalk and you see him walking down, you look out the window, oh my, oh my goodness, that is Jesus. And you run out to him and you, you, you stop him and go, you, you have to heal me right now, Jesus. You have to right now. I mean, that's what I would do, but this guy doesn't do that. He falls flat on his face and he goes, if you can, or no, he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can heal me of this cancer. See, this guy remains respectful and humble. I don't don't know if I would in that circumstance. I'd be like, Jesus, I need to be healed now, now, now. Come on. But he remains respectful and humble. And by God's grace, he says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And then Jesus, imagine this. If you had cancer, you go up to Jesus. If you're willing, you you bow down and go, if if you're willing, you can heal me of cancer. And Jesus just touches you and says you're healed. And you you stand up and the cancer's gone. That's what happens here. 5 verse 26. Everyone was astounded. And they were giving glory to God and they were filled with awe. And said, we have seen incredible things today. So Jesus forgives and heals a guy, proving that he's God. And everyone is astounded and filled with awe and are saying, we've seen incredible, amazing things today. 5 verse 26 captures this whole scripture we're looking at today really well. Jesus' effect on people was awe, childlike wonder. So, I'd like you to discuss at your table right now. Why are we so often not in awe when we read accounts of Jesus like this? Discuss. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna rein you back in. We're gonna, gonna move on. We just saw that Jesus' effect on people is awe. Now we're gonna look at Jesus' purpose here. His effect was awe. His purpose, though, is to proclaim the good news. And he tells us that. 4 verse 43. He said to them, It is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching. In the synagogues of Judea. We learn Jesus' purpose here on earth right from his very mouth. To proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God and why is it good news? Scholar David Powell said this. In the time of Jesus, Jews often considered this kingdom to be a political and a military one. But for Jesus, this kingdom represents his victory over the forces of Satan. A victory that affects both the physical and the spiritual realms. And the final consummation remains in the future. So the kingdom of God, put very simply, is this. It's God's active rule over evil. It's good news because Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm in charge, not evil. And I am beginning my ministry where I am going to take down the devil and take down sin. And this is incredible news for us because our sin can now be taken care of and forgiven. We can have a right relationship with God and evil is going to see justice. Now, all of this is going to be, it, it, Jesus started this ministry right now. And it, 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 this quote said it's going to be finished when Jesus comes back. So you're like, why is there still evil in the world? Why is the devil still up to stuff? Because it's, it, we're there, but we're not there yet. Like Jesus did quite a bit of the work, but he's not quite done. When he comes back, all evil is going to be taken care of. But this is what he's talking about when he's, he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He's saying all all the stealing, all the killing, all the destroying that the devil and evil has done, I'm going to uproot and bring abundant life, joy, and peace. So Jesus' first priority and his first purpose is to proclaim the good news. Teaching. That's what you see him doing throughout this passage. 431, he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching. 5 verse 17. On one of those days while he was teaching. Okay? So, anybody can shout out an answer to this. What was not Jesus' main purpose? What was not Jesus' main purpose that still happened quite often in this passage and in the Gospels? His main purpose was to proclaim the good news... But what wasn't his main purpose that you still see him doing quite a bit of anybody Heal. healing miracles right why did jesus still do miracles then anybody if we didn't see the miracles our doubt would probably have the words he was speaking like what to do it. it's like yeah sure whatever i hear what you're saying but nothing happened yeah but yeah probably, that's good, Dave. You yep, have to amplify his teaching, to back it up. I really am God. That's good. That's good. I'm going to put it this way Why did Jesus still do miracles? Jesus heals physically in order to heal spiritually. Jesus does miracles to help people believe his teaching. So Jesus isn't just walking around like a street magician, like David Copperfield, going, bam, 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 look at that, look at me, right? I mean, he could have, he's he's God, but that's that's not his approach here, right? Instead, he does the miracles so that people will believe what he's saying. He goes, hey, listen to this fantastic news that I am going to undo all evil, and people are like, yeah, okay, okay, but then he goes, oh, you don't believe me? Boom. And they're like, okay, we're, we're, we're believing you now. We're listening now. So he does it if it will help them believe. And then he says, check this out, basically. So let me show you an example right here in our text this morning of how he heals physically in order to heal spiritually. So 5, verse 17. On one of those days while he was teaching. See, that, that's his purpose. That's what he's starting off doing while he was teaching. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. And seeing their faith, he said, Friend you're healed. Nope. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus very purposefully here does not heal this guy right away. Instead, he uses it as a teaching moment and heals him spiritually. He says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus doesn't want this whole House full. And who would think of this either? "Hey, the house is full. we can't get in. Let's cut a hole in the roof and lower them down." But th- they were desperate. That's what they do. Jesus didn't want everyone in that house and on that roof to miss the point. And the point is that Jesus has a healing that goes deeper and lasts longer for eternity than they ever thought possible. Jesus heals hearts and souls for eternity. If he heals this guy physically right away, everyone in that house misses the point that Jesus has a healing that everyone needs and longs for. So let's, let's keep looking. Verse 21, Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves. Don't miss this. They're just thinking this. Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts. Jesus is amazing. He just... Imagine that. Okay? Jesus is up here. You start thinking something and he responds to what you're thinking. I'd be a little creeped out. Here they are. Perceiving their thoughts. Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. And here it is, verse 24. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. And immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. But verse verse 24 tells us the purpose. He does the miracle so that people will know that he can heal spiritually. Everyone was left here astounded. They were astounded because now they found a healing and a healer who transcends mere physical healing. This guy can heal my heart, my soul. I went on a mission trip to India a few years ago, and we were off to a house church uh, one day, and uh, they were going to have a church service, and I was supposed to bring the message. Um, and so I, I had a handful of messages I had prepared beforehand before I went on this trip, and I was like, okay, I'm, I, I think I'm going to do this one, and uh, I was ready to go, and we get there, and we did some worship, and then, and then person after person comes up and shares about how God healed them physically. And I'm sitting there going, wow, praise God, this is incredible. I, I've, never, I've never been to a church service like this. And the, just everyone had a story like that. And I'm sitting there going, huh, I, I don't have a story like that. Um, and I remember God just grabbing me and going, Matt, throw that message you have prepared out the window and say this instead. So I did, and I got up there and I said, I have never been healed physically. But I've been healed in the most important way possible. I've been healed of my sin problem by Jesus Christ through his shed blood on the cross. And if you have not been healed, if you think it was incredible that you were healed physically, just wait till you see what Jesus can do spiritually. And then I shared the gospel with them. And God really Used it that day. It was was a powerful, powerful service. Jesus heals physically in order to heal spiritually. So, at your table, I'd like you to discuss who has shared the good news of Jesus with you. Okay, we're going to keep moving, but feel free to linger afterwards and share some more stories about how Jesus, uh, or how other people have shared the good news of Jesus with you. Last, I want to look at Jesus' priority in here. His priority is surprising to me. Jesus' priority is to pull away from everybody and pray. 4, verse 42. When it was day, he went out, And made his way to a deserted place. 5 verse 15. But the news about him spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear him. To be healed of their sickness. Then verse 16. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So anyone can, can just shout out an answer. Why do you think Jesus pulled away to pray even as he was going viral. Okay? I mean, he was. He, it just said large crowds were coming to hear him and to be healed. News was spreading about him everywhere. He's going viral. Yet, it says, he often withdrew to deserted places and pray. Why do you think Jesus pulled away to pray, even as he was going viral? Anybody? Be re-centered on Jesus, yeah, or on God, <laughs> on himself. It all works. Uh, yep, good, yeah, yep, Satan was still very much trying to stop him, yep, anyone else? Yeah, to recenter on his job and his purpose, strength, absolutely, yep, strength from the Holy Spirit, all of those, absolutely, um, what's that? yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So why did Jesus pull away to pray in deserted places, it says? Uh, let's do hands. Let's start here at Narla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be alone, soak it all in, good. Right. Mm-hmm, for sure, eliminate distractions. Good. There's at least a couple more. Yeah. Gather his thoughts. thoughts, sure. Yep. Yep. Jesus' kingdom is an upside down kingdom. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. So he's just showing that. Yeah, these these teachers of the law of the day, they would make their prayers loud and known to everyone. And he's, nope, he's pulling away, doing it in private. Good, good. Um, March 2020 to March 2021 in several ways for me was a very difficult time of life, as I'm sure for many of you it was as well. What saved... And revived me over and over and over was doing what Jesus did here pulling away to pray. In fact, I know that I would not be here preaching this morning if I did not prioritize pulling away to pray during that season. So here's what I do at least half a day, once a month, I sp- get away. And I pray, and I wrestle with God, and I journal, and I'm silent before him, and I open up my Bible. Think about this for a second. Jesus, God incarnate, it says, did this often. How much more do you and I then need to do this often? This probably sounds scary to a lot of us, okay? Maybe you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I would love to talk to you and give you some some good ideas. But don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. I, I know that the best way to learn to pray is actually just by doing it more. Don't overthink it. Get away, talk to God, and listen to Him with your Bible open. For some of you, you're like, well, all right, even if I got over the fear of it, I don't have time for that. How am I going to fit this into my impossibly busy schedule? I would argue that you're too busy not to pull away and pray. I mean, are we really too busy for Jesus? Are we too busy to fight for our marriage, to fight for our kids? It's always true that everyone makes time for what's important to them. Everyone always makes time for what they value and prioritize. So if you're saying, no, I'm too busy, the reality is that you're not too busy. You just don't prioritize prayer. So discuss at your table. What keeps you from pulling away to pray? All right, I'm going to call you all back in here. So I just want to summarize everything that we saw in this scripture today for you. So when we're amazed by Jesus, this is Jesus. It's not actually Jesus, but this represents Jesus. This represents us. These represent other people. So when we are amazed and in awe of Jesus, we're just filled up by him. Just going, wow, Jesus, you are incredible. You are beautiful. You are amazing. And as we do that, when you're amazed by something, you can't help but share it with other people. So this week, I felt really convicted because on Tuesday morning, Josh came into the office and I was super excited to tell him that I beat up on Greg. I didn't beat up, but I came back and beat him in fantasy football. And I couldn't wait to tell him. I got to tell you, I had all this passion. And then, and then Josh even pointed it out to me. He's like, oh, you're excited about that? Because we were talking about my message later, and he's like, like, like you had this morning, talking about fantasy football. And I'm like, man, I need that passion for telling other people about Jesus. But, but, so I was a little convicted, but we need, as we're amazed by Jesus and excited by Jesus, we let that pour out into sharing Jesus with other people. And we can't help but just, oh, i got to tell you about Jesus. i got to tell you what he's done in my life. i got to tell you what Jesus has done. Uh, but here's what happens. You keep doing that, and over time, you're running on empty. And so, as we talked about last, we need to pull away and pray. To be filled by Jesus. To have our awe and amazement of Jesus be filled once <laughs> again, and then repeat and repeat and repeat. Let childlike wonder and awe of Jesus move you to share Jesus with others but don't run on empty then just keep coming back keep prioritizing it even when you have all these incredible opportunities to, to in life to show and share Jesus with people we still need to pull away and be amazed by Jesus once again and pray let's pray Father I thank you so much for your example And what an amazing example. What a a convicting example it is that if you, the king of the universe, prioritized getting away to pray, why don't I? Why don't we? So Lord, I, I pray that we would do that. And as we do that, we would be filled with the spirit, filled with joy, filled with awe. I thank you, Jesus. That with you, there is life, and life abundantly, Lord. And, and as, we, as we prioritize you, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Thank you for that promise, Jesus. I pray that we would experience that. That we would experience you and love you more and more, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.